This is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr, and this week we're doing something slightly different from usual. Earlier this week, my colleague Lindsay Hamilton and I went through to a show at the Edinburgh Fringe, but this was a show with a difference. Held at Tynecastle Park on an outdoor stage built into the main stand of the stadium, Sweet FA showcases women's struggle to play football during the time of the First World War and their struggle to be taken seriously by governing bodies at the time. Before we get started, here's your weekly dose of trivia. Scotland and England's women played each other at the Ravenscraig Stadium in Greenock in 1972 in the first officially recognised game between the two sides. But which team won? We'll give you the answer at the end of the podcast. Set between the years of 1915 and 1921, Sweet FA revolves around a group of women who take jobs in the fictional North British Rubber Company to make boots for the soldiers in the trenches of the Western Front in France and Belgium. Being in the workplace and jobs usually reserved for men, the women come together to form a factory football team and soon find themselves playing in front of large crowds despite opposition from the footballing authorities at the time. Going into the stadium, I was unsure as to how the staging would work compared to a regular theatre show, but I was impressed by the show as a whole. And Tynecastle seemed like the perfect choice of venue too, given the subject matter. After the matinee performance on Tuesday the 10th of August, I sat down with actors Heather Cochran, Rachel McPherson Graham and Heather Horseman on the stage of the show to talk about their roles in it. First of all, I'll go round, I'll start off with yourself Heather Cochran, um, okay. can you tell us about the role that you play, or roles I should say, that mm. you play in the show? Yeah, I, I play Helen Graham, Mrs Graham. Uh, which was the pseudonym of Helen Matthews, who was a sort of pioneering fo- female footballer in the sort of late 1800s. Uh, she was born in Montrose. Uh, there's a lot of mystery surrounding what she got up to and where what her background was. Um, but yeah, I play her, and I also play, in complete contrast, Alfred Franklin, who was the manager in Preston of the famous Dick Kerr's Ladies which was a very successful female football team uh, around the time of the First World War and afterwards. Excellent. Uh, Rachel, can you tell us about the roles that you play within the show? Yeah, so I'm the company's swing, so I'm understudying a lot of roles, um, but also getting to be a couple of roles in it as well. So I play Anne, um, who works in the factory. I also play Lord Buchanan in the SFA. Uh, I also play a few men and a soldier as well. Hope that's not a spoiler. (laughs) Hopefully not. And uh, Heather, um, can you tell us about the roles that you play? Yes, um, so I play Lil, who is um, one of the women in the factory. She's um, her and Harry have a bit of a kind of duel going on. Um, she's one of the young the young women, um, and she's all about the suffrage movement and is very passionate and, and trying to get everyone else on board. Um, and I also play Secretary Watt, who <laughs> is um, the kind of left hand man to, to um, Lord Scunthorpe, who um, is a bit of a buffoon um, and, and he's uh, Secretary Watt is there 
and well-meaning but also struggling amongst a group of less well-meaning authority types. <laughs> Excellent. Um, what attracted you to the role, or again, I should say roles, given that it seems that everybody seems to kind of play several roles within the show? Uh, well, um, I've worked with the director before, and so we'd, we'd talked about stuff, and uh, he'd suggested that I might like to think about playing it, and uh, so there was a bit of workshopping and development, and yeah. I was really excited about it, and it's a tremendous. It's been a tremendous opportunity for me to to actually do it. So yeah, that's that's what I, that was my connection, having um, worked with Bruce before. Excellent. Rachel? Yeah, I've worked with the company before in a different production and loved doing it and was really excited by the prospect of, of this show in particular. Um, I think something that's quite special about it is mm. the music that's in it as well. It's all original uh, music. We've got a live band on stage and musicians, so that was what I was particularly keen to uh, get involved with. And Hale? Um, well, I, I've also been directed by Bruce in the past and he approached me and asked me to audition quite late on in the process. I, I came just before we, we started rehearsing, really. Um, and so I, I got sent some of the script and I just thought it was fantastic. Like, it, immediately so clearly funny, but also powerful and emotional and, and such beautifully diverse and developed characters. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I was just desperate to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's uh, quite exciting about the play, or I should say show rather, since it's got musical numbers in it as well, me being a former thespian from a former life at school, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that the way that the, the songs and having the live music performance in it really differentiated this from a lot of kind of shows, because we're at the fringe, so there's going to be a lot of various hundreds of shows across the next month or so. Um, before appearing in the show, how aware were you of the struggle that women faced within the game of football um, and just to be taken seriously by men uh, within the sport? I'd, I'd absolutely no idea when I started to do a bit of research into the background of, of, of women's football and, and the, the fact that there had been all these teams in during the First World War and I had no idea at all about the background. So that was fascinating and just, and just the story of the struggle that women have had and the actual realisation that there was a ban. I mean we can tell looking at audience faces that <laughs> a lot of very few people are aware of the story I had no idea and now I think I'm pretty clued up on it <laughs> yeah I, I, I had no idea either and I think obviously being a woman you're aware of struggles of generations before mm-hmm. us and you can imagine but didn't realise to such an extent that there was an, an official ban until quite recently you know yeah I was absolutely the same which I think says a lot given that you know, I, I have learnt about women at that time and it's just not really spoken about and again as Heather says, like you can see in the audience's faces that it is so shocking how just how it all went about and how it happened. And and I suppose, you know, it's shocking then but also there are parallels now mm. and it's not like it doesn't exist and it's just gone away, but it, it is so interesting how severe it was at that time. My next question was going to be, did the show alter any of your perceptions about the women's game? But uh, given your kind of backgrounds and maybe um, not having known very much about the, the game in general, um, have you uh, had your perceptions altered by appearing in the play? 
Yeah, and do you know what, what was so amazing was we've had some uh, women from the Hearts um, football team come in and watch it and when they came in it kind of made it all real because obviously mm-hmm. we've been working on this for so long and you know with the script and, and turning it into a piece of theatre and learning about it as a piece of theatre that you forget the reality and then when you actually meet the, the women who are have the people who've paid, paved the way and we're telling their story and then we're seeing the direct result of young women playing in the Hearts football team uh, it's just it's been really cool How do you find acting on a stage that's built into the main stand of Titan Castle because for our listeners who maybe haven't been aware of this we're currently on the stage just now uh, which is built into the main stand of Titan Castle it sounds bizarre but the stage is absolutely brilliant Um, what do you find uh, are the kind of benefits or sometimes unique challenges that come from acting in what's effectively an outdoor venue in Mm. Scotland which is you know, quite a dangerous proposition sometimes <laughs> an open stage in this country. Well, all I would say is we wouldn't have been doing this yesterday, not out here, <laughs> because it chucked it down, torrential rain for a good chunk of the afternoon. So we can only thank our stage management crew for keeping us as dry as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was unbelievable. I mean, the contrast between yesterday and today is quite incredible. We've been doing the shows in all weathers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah, our set designer, Eve, is just mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, Eve Murray. Eve Murray is yeah. just, honestly, like, it's such an amazing set. And we've got, you know, we've got um, backstage, we've mm-hmm. got a covering, and it's all scaffolding, and it's incredible, like, all of the... It is weatherproof for us, and it's been so good as well for COVID that everything's outside and you know it's pretty yeah. brilliant and the sun is streaming in but yeah it has it has brought up a few challenges of just like us being aware of where the wind is blowing and when mm-hmm. we're you know our mics and all that kind of stuff but it creates such an amazing atmosphere and it's so cool to tell the story set in Tynecastle in Tynecastle yeah and, the, and then the weather changes it every time which is amazing and, and yeah just with the backdrop of the stadium and the pitch and sun yeah. or the rain or whatever it is it just immediately places it and I think it gives the audience such a clear sense I think I think what's what was quite interesting yesterday is there was a lot of rain so there was a lot of wet costumes and last night another woman who's involved in the show it's a hugely female focused sort of cast and crew um, Natasha Murray the costume designer had come in and made sure all the costumes were dry that any repairs are sorted out just because of the wet so it's, a, it, it's, it's something that even if people are not actually on the stage and performing in it they're all thinking crumbs you know that weather's going to have changed things we need to get in and do this and Eve has done that so has Natasha mm. it's a fantastic bunch of people What's been your individual favourite moment of um, of appearing in Sweet FA? Well, I don't necessarily know about a moment, but mm. obviously it's oh, it's just amazing to be doing a play, and it's been a very weird year and a half for theatre and everything. And um, but meeting this group of women, the the crew, everyone, the writers, just all the people involved has been fantastic and it's been so supportive and um, we've just really come together to, everyone's come together to create something that I think takes a lot of heart and um, and is a really important story and that's just been, I feel very grateful to be part of that. It feels like we're telling the story of a group of women who, you know, the circumstances brought them all together, you know, the war and they ended up 
bonding and becoming very close and, and forming a football team and, and having that shared passion and it feels like we similarly a hundred years on are having that same thing we've been brought together to tell that story and you know we are so close and, and really work as a proper team you know and it's been great to just yeah share that with each other yeah not sure it would hold on a football pitch <laughs> yeah yeah and you mentioned there that it's a largely female cast as well. How do you find that differs from being in some other more traditional um, casts and other productions? It's been brilliant. It's a completely female cast. Mm. And it's been brilliant because we've been able to play lots of different roles. So we're getting to play the baddies. We're getting to play mm. male parts. And it's such a great opportunity. It's, it's quite rare to have an all-female yeah. cast. And it's been a complete joy. We're all completely with each other and caring and you know we've got all of our different relationships and I feel like we've got our you know a few a few of the cast are like mothering yeah. figures and big range of ages ages mm-hmm. yeah and we're just learning a lot from each other and it's been yeah it's been it's been a, a complete joy I think and we're getting to to portray sort of strong women that you mm. know that did pioneer in a lot of senses um, and also yeah that women that went through a very very difficult time to make sure that you know, Lil's character, for example, continues the fight to ensure that the suffrage movement continues. Um, yeah, so getting to play strong women in a great team uh, and a, an ensemble that really has worked incredibly well together has been fantastic. Yeah. Are there any characters that any of you particularly identify with, um, particularly with the themes of struggle that are constant throughout the play? I suppose any time you're working with any text, you're trying to find the the points where you relate. And I think that, you know, luckily we've not gone through a world war that's affected us eh, directly. But you do put yourself in that mindset and, and try and think. And I feel like my character of um, Anne, who's working in the factory and, you know, getting by, and you just start to kind of think how you would react um, in that scenario. Um, but yeah, I think it's just been a, a general thing of, and, and obviously as well with COVID, having to everyone having to rally around each other, you can see the kind of parallels there of, of everyone coming together and supporting each other. Yeah, it's a very a very different time, um, but the relationships and and the kind of I think the humour and the like the the banter that they have and stuff is it's amazing to get the chance to play that as women because mm-hmm. women aren't always written like that and that's very relatable I think we all have kind of connected to that um, I think the scene yeah. where I where I'm the manager and the Lord Scunthorpe and Secretary Watt you know the start of the scene where you just assumes that you're the waitress <clears throat> and mm. you're not that you're the manager and you know I think there's many 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 women who will relate to that yeah. and yes. I think the, the explanation of the offside rule uh, with, we won't give a spoiler on that one but you can hear people in the audience respond to that and you, you men and women who can say oh god the men recognising their explanation maybe not so much mansplaining but certainly just explaining to their friends or their women folk at home, their families around the dinner table what the offside rule is I think we can all relate to lots of stuff in this play, actually. Yes. <laughs> if you had to convince someone who is coming through to the fringe to come and see the production, um, how would you try and sell it to them? Oh, it's got everything, hasn't yeah. it? Like, I feel like it's everyone is going to go and get something from it. You know, it's got humour, it's got songs, it's got heart, it's got 
you know, an all-female cast, which is quite special, and it looks beautiful. The costumes mm. are amazing. The script is incredible, and we're all here, you know, putting our heart and soul into it. And, I, and hopefully that reads, and we've had really, really lovely audiences who've been giving Very us great so. feedback. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and you absolutely. don't have to be a football fan to enjoy it because oh, there's no. lots of other layers of stories, you know. It's, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it could. I think it, it could <laughs> turn people into fans of female of women's football. I think. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's what I found. I'm, I'm a big football fan, as is my colleague Lindsay. But I found that you wouldn't necessarily have to be a football fan if you'd just been taken along by someone. Oh, this will be good. This will be good. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people will hopefully be pleasantly but surprised mm-hmm. by the content of it and the story because I think sometimes um, you see football in media like um, I'll use the film A Shot at Glory which is one of our favourites and it's one of these films that you know it's got a cult appeal maybe not for the reasons that Warnakers wanted it to have but it does have that cult appeal that maybe appeals to people who aren't football fans that brings them in on some kind of emotional or even humorous level as well and I think you're absolutely right when you say that the play does have a lot of varied um uh, textures and depths to it that maybe people wouldn't associate with uh, with football. And there's a huge, yeah. in my opinion, there's a huge feel-good factor to the whole play mm-hmm. as well. There's just a nice feel-good vibe to it. Yeah, know. there's a lot of hope as well, yeah. I think. Yeah. Excellent. Well, um, just before we finish off, um, if you've got any social media where people can find you, where can they find you? Um, well, I'm, I'm on Twitter as Heather underscore horseman excellent um, I'm at Rachel Graham uh, well as the the slightly older generation I have a Facebook page with, under Heather Cochran um, and you would find the link through the Sweet FA Facebook page but I'm also on Instagram as Heather Bell that's H-E-Z-Z-E-R B-E-L-L-E <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to the actors for giving up their time after the show. After speaking to the actors, I spoke with the show's producer, Bruce Strachan, and director, Paul Beeson, to talk about their involvement in running the show. I'm here at Tynecastle Park on the stage of Sweet FA. I'm speaking with Bruce Strachan, who is the producer, and Paul Beeson, who is the director of the play Sweet FA. So... Can you start off just by telling us a wee bit about the show, please? So, Sweet F.A. is a uh, a show that tells the story of uh, a fictionalised women's uh, football team um, that we meet in 1915, and it kind of charts their journey through kind of formation in a in a factory uh, to and sort of charts the real growth of women's football at the time up until. Uh, 1921 when, slight spoiler alert, uh, the FAs uh, decided to ban um, uh, women's football at that time um, so uh, the show kind of tells the story of what happened to them and how they how they came together and uh, the various elements of uh, life that were going on at the time that they had to negotiate How did the show come about and what inspired you to write the show? Uh, well, so we were doing um, another show here a couple of years ago called The War of Two Halves, which told the story of the Hearts players who volunteered to fight in the First World War. Um, they signed up uh, with McRae's battalion. Uh, it was actually Bruce was having a conversation with Anne Park, who is the commercial director at Hearts, uh, and she happened to mention um, that the centenary of the ban of the women's game was coming up um, in 2021. 
uh, and and that just planted a seed in Bruce's big brain mm-hmm. and uh, and it just kind of went from there and then Bruce one day said to myself and Tim Barrow who's the other writer um, we should maybe think about doing a show about women's football at Tynecastle now that we're, we're kind of you know part of the woodwork because we've done a war or two halves three times now here um, and it just kind of went from there didn't it and um, so we started looking into sort of a general history of women's football uh, for our research and sort of looking at the ban and how the ban came about uh, and then we started to do a bit more localised research on, on women's football in Edinburgh and we, we tried to find stuff sort of specifically related to, to Hearts um, or Hibs or the sort of the Gorgie area or Leith just to try and make it like an Edinburgh story. Uh, yeah, and it just, it just kind of snowballed um, from there, really. Yeah, there was a game at Tynecastle in uh, 1971, not long before the ban took effect. Um, we thought that was quite interesting that there was actually, you know, and it drew a crowd of 15,000, which, you know, would be respectable for a women's game nowadays. So that kind of, we just thought that was really, you know, an interesting stat from 100 years ago. Um, uh, but it's quite hard to find. There's not a lot of really well-documented stuff on uh, on women's football from that period. So mm. so we've had to kind of piece a lot of things together in order to in order to kind of make it uh, make it fly as a show. Uh, before you research writing the show, uh, how well aware were you of the struggle that women faced um, in the early 20th century and even before that in order to be taken seriously by um, by men? I mean, um, having done history at, at school and stuff, you know, I was quite sort of, I suppose, aware of the suffrage movement because that was one sort of area of history that I remember studying quite well because I've got quite a, I suppose, a keen interest in the First World War. Uh, and the kind of stuff that went along with that so the suffrage movement was was quite important um, uh, in my sort of studies so I was I was aware of, of that kind of side of women, the struggle that women had in the, in the early 20th century but I had no idea of, of the football side of that struggle at all until uh, Bruce sort of um, came came up with the idea uh, so yeah it was a complete um, complete surprise to me that there was um, uh, there, there was a ban in the first place and like actually how popular the women's game was before the ban so yeah completely surprised yeah I mean I'm pretty much the same I, I had no real idea that it, had, that it had been stopped and kind of twice you know we, we talk about it a bit in the show about how it was really popular um, at the end of the previous century as well so uh, that again that was news to me that it was that it was big so um, yeah it was been, it's been a kind of eye opener for us to kind of find find out about it as we've gone through the journey of putting the show as our listeners may hear from the noises in the background, the show is staged outside at Tynecastle Park. The stage is built into the main stand here. Um, what uh, challenges have you faced um, from this venue in comparison to what you would in, uh, in inverted commas, regular fringe venue or theatre? Uh, well, I mean, the obvious one is the weather, really. The sort of the... the uh, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're in a, a sort of more traditional indoor theatre doesn't matter what the weather's like outside you come in and you know you don't have any outside weather affecting the, the work on stage you don't have any sort of outside noise really uh, necessarily affecting the work on stage so here uh, you've got to brave the elements um, so we've obviously we've had a lot of torrential rain over the last couple of days which uh, when it's battering off the, the stand roof can be quite noisy uh, the poor uh, actors are getting um, a bit damp at times backstage although it's a, it's a you know 
Uh, we've got a nice cover for them now, but the, the first day when the rain kind of got through the backstage area, they were all bedraggled, bless them. That's which way the wind's blowing a bit. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, but then also, like you've, you notice today, like it's a beautiful afternoon, so the sun is beaming directly on the audience, so the audience are getting frazzled in the sun. Um, the seagulls don't help either. Uh, there's, there's a lot of seagulls that fly about and they like to drop rocks on the roof mm. of the stand. Um, yeah, we should yeah. probably mention the, sca- the scaffold that we're sitting on as well mm-hmm. was, you know, to actually be able to stage the show in in the in the stadium relied um, on a on a brilliant bit of sponsorship, a sort of collaboration between Hearts um, and a local scaffolding company called ASC Scaffolding, who who were absolutely brilliant, really supportive of the show, and worked with us to allow us to to, to put a stage in that that is safe obviously and um, accessible and allows us to, to perform in the stands so the audience are covered we're outside it's kind of you know, I don't like you know, Covid kind of um, uh, whatever the word is that comes after that yeah. safe is safe. it yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah we're really really thankful to, to them to allow us to, to put that in yeah because originally we wanted to have a, a promenade piece like a war of two halves where the audience would move around different locations within the stadium but with the current or well should say that the regulations um, as they were at the time that this went to production uh, we couldn't ensure that people would be socially distant and we couldn't necessarily guarantee um, that it would be safe to have you know 70 people perhaps 80 people moving around so it would be safer to have them in one kind of seated area and that is actually what influenced Bruce's decision to direct it um, on a stage rather than moving around location to location um, when looking for actors when casting, what did you look for in order to get your ideal cast? Well, we like to work with nice people. <laughs> First and like foremost, a really obvious yeah. thing to say. Um, um, and uh, also, we, as part of the process of writing it, we're very conscious that Paul, Tim, and I are all men. Um, and uh, at the time, I was working in a in a college, and um, I got four of the sort of former students. Um, to come in and just help us do some workshopping on on the show, so they were brilliant. Actually, did loads of research, really helped with the process at the start, and obviously, all being acting students, were were keen to keen to be involved. So that gave us the kind of starting point, and then from there, it's a sort of combination of our associates, a little bit of auditioning from from people that we that we knew, um, just to try and fit the characteristics because we kind of lived and breathed the characters. So we kind of had a real good sense of the. Sort of types that we were looking for, um, and we've been lucky. And as you've seen today, they're phenomenal, yeah. brilliant. Group. We're, we're actually lucky that um, we've got such a talented bunch. They really bring their own stamp to the, to each of the characters. So we, you know, having written it and developed it over about a two-year period, pretty much, um, we all had these sort of preconceived ideas about what the characters would be like. But the the, the cast have come in and just. Done, done even more than we ever dreamed was possible because they're such a talented group of people. They certainly are. You certainly get that from the fact that uh, just about every single cast member is playing more than one uh, role as well, which I think is quite fun. Um, if you were trying to convince our listeners to go and see the show or people who are coming to the Fringe and don't yet have their plans made, uh, what would you say to entice them along? 
Well, I suppose, I mean, probably first thing to say is in these times, you know, COVID-wise, it's about as safe an environment as you can get. You know, it's outside, you're undercover, for, for the audience particularly, you're nice and kind of uh, sheltered. Yeah. Um, so if you're sort of worried about that kind of thing, you are outside for the whole show. So, yeah. so and, that. I mean, it's, a, it's probably one of the most unique um, venues that you'll get for a fringe show uh, in Edinburgh, um, you know, a football stadium. Um, what else? They, they, you can drink in the stand here. <laughs> You're allowed, oh, yeah. to, you're allowed to take your drinks pint. in with you, uh, which you can't even do that um, for the football. So, you know, we're kind of lucky with that respect. Um, but it, it, again, I guess the most important thing is it's telling a really um, important story that's still relevant actually now. I mean, women's football is becoming um, a much bigger thing and, and uh, a lot of progress has been made, but they're, they're still not on equal footing with the men's game. And... Uh, if, if we can do anything to kind of maybe educate people on the history of women's football but also maybe get them interested in where the development goes from here then I think, I think we've done our job and, and that's quite an important thing as well yeah. Excellent, if our listeners want to buy tickets, where can they go and how long is the show running for? So uh, the show is running through to the 30th of August. It's not on every day because they, they do play football in the stadium as well, so we have to, <laughs> we have to make way for that, including getting rid of the uh, uh, scaffold. Um, uh, but we're on most days, um, right through to the 30th, sometimes matinee as well. Um, and you can get tickets through edfringe.com to search for Sweet FA um, and also through Hearts' uh, website as well. If you go to the Hearts events page, we pop up on there and you can get tickets there. And if, if one site is sold out, the chances are the, the, the might tickets available on the other side but go fast because we're already I think seven or eight sold out shows um, and we're only five days in so it's uh, it's going well Brilliant. Bruce, Paul, thanks very much You're welcome. Thank you Thanks to Bruce and Paul for giving up their time between the two shows that day Sweet FA is part of the Edinburgh Fringe and runs most days until the 30th of August with some days off due to football games at Tynecastle Tickets can be purchased from the official Fringe website or from the Hearts website. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at SweetFAShow for more information. At the start of the podcast, we asked you who won the first ever officially recognised international women's match between Scotland and England in 1972. The answer is England. Almost a hundred years since Scotland and England's men played the first ever international fixture in the world on the 30th of November 1872, Scotland and England's women met at Ravenscraig Stadium in Greenock on the 18th of November 1972. England won 3-2 and Scotland's scorers that day were Mary Carr and Rose Riley. The Scotland team also contained Edna Neelis and was captained by Margaret Macaulay. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Scottish Football Citizen. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And join us again next week when we'll be looking back at more of the best of Scottish football from the past. If you'd like an extra football fix in your inbox every Tuesday, you can subscribe to Football Memories Scotland's weekly newsletter, The Football Special, and receive an email full of excellent pictures and stories from days gone by. To find out more, email lindsay at lindsay.hamilton at scottishfootballmuseum.org.uk
The Scottish Football Citizen is written, edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memory Scotland in association with Alzheimer Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr, Lindsay Hamilton and Richard McBearty. Special thanks to Big Hearts, Bruce Strachan, Paul Beeson, Heather Cochran, Rachel McPherson-Graham, Heather Horseman and all involved with the show.